So Matthew chapter 15, verse number 21. We pick up here the story. The scripture says, verse 21, Then Jesus went thence and departed unto the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep or the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. We love stories about things that pop up in strange or unexpected places. And I thought of one that uh, actually I got to see. My, my wife's back there with the um, back there with the kids, but uh, she could testify to this and prove I'm not lying. I did see this one. Uh, there's a lot of news stories that went around when this came out, but in May of uh, 2002, I think it was, a lady named Lori Young was shopping at Goodwill. And right there, I like her already. We're shopping at Goodwill. Anyways, down in Austin. And she saw a, a little, you know, bust, a little statue, the head and shoulders, you know, a little bust thing, a little marble statue. And she thought, well, that's interesting. She, she'd bought some antiques and stuff for her. So that, that looks pretty old. I'm going to buy it. It looks interesting. $35 was a sticker that was slapped on the cheek of this statue. And uh, so she bought it, took it home, and uh, turns out it's a 2,000-year-old bust from the Roman Empire. And uh, they're like, how in the world did it get in Texas? They think during World War uh, II, it's, a soldier must have brought it back with them as a souvenir. And they think, and by the way, they know it's actually going back to where it was probably taken from. It's an interesting story, but Becky and I, uh, this spring when we were down in San Antonio, we went to the San Antonio Museum of Art, which is about half a historical museum, old Roman and Greek and stuff like that. But they actually had this bust there, and it had a big sign and told this whole story. So I actually got to see this Roman bust that was bought at Goodwill for $35. And I'm still looking for one of those myself. I want to find one now. I hadn't found it yet, but uh, I'm still still looking. But a museum is the sort of place you would expect to see a Roman statue. You don't expect to find that at Goodwill or Salvation Army or Denton Thrift. I like that one. I'm still looking for that, but you know, like I say, you don't expect to find it there. Our text this morning is a story of a profound faith found in an unexpected place. The event, uh, by the way, is also in the book of Mark, chapter number 7, verses 24 through 30, and I'm going to reference that uh, at least once here, uh, some of the details that are given. He, he gives a little bit different uh, angle on this. Uh, for instance, Mark, in verse 24, actually kind of places the setting a little bit clearer. It says, And from thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon, and entered into a house, and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. Uh, you study this out in this time period, it's a, it's a period of a lot of popularity for Christ. The great throngs are 
following him. He's being smothered by the attention he's getting in Israel. And uh, his great compassion led him to not turn anyone away that sought him. Uh, but And I, I think he and his disciples are just exhausted. They're trying to, to get away and, and, and catch your breaths uh, to continue the work. They go north along the Mediterranean coast there, if you look at a map in your Bible, and uh, into the historic territory of Tyre and Sidon. They're uh, just north of Israel along the Mediterranean coast. These cities were once part of the great uh, Phoenician Empire. Uh, th- these people are really interesting in the ancient world. They they sailed. They were pioneers to sailing the, the Mediterranean. Uh, they settled a bunch of different places. Uh, the Roman uh, arch nemesis of Carthage was a Phoenician settlement in North Africa. Uh, they and their, their big deal was they didn't really rule. They traded. They were great at commerce and trade throughout the Mediterranean world. So it's it's foreign territory he goes in. He goes north over the border, and I can't help but make a joke about Oklahoma when we come to that. But you're, you're getting out of your territory, getting in somewhere else, and uh, just kind of trying to hide out. Christ is there seeking a place of solace, uh, but immediately is found out. There's a woman of that country that rushes to see him. She's described it by Matthew. This is interesting. You see the perspective of the Gospels in this. Matthew describes her as a Canaanite. Well, that's how a Jew would describe her. She's one of the people native to the area, so she's a Canaanite. In Mark, she's described as a Greek, because to the Romans, she has a Greek culture, thanks to Tyre and Sidon being uh, taken over by Alexander the Great and then becoming part of the Seleucid Empire. Anyway, it's a long history, but they've got Greek culture. And so, so Mark, writing to a Roman audience, uses a term they would appreciate, that they, they have a Greek heritage. Uh, so it's interesting, you see the perspective of the two Gospels for their audiences in, in how they describe this lady. She's from a region that's called Syrophoenicia, like I say, it's Phoenicia. It's also part of Syria, which is kind of the Roman territory, so that's, that's what the Romans would know there, Syrophoenicia, which is just fun to say. And she has a great need. Her daughter is afflicted by a demon. By the way, that stuff is real. I don't like to joke about it. That stuff is real. Be careful with that stuff. But greater than her need is her great faith. And I want to highlight a few things about her faith this morning. A faith that Christ himself marvels at. A faith that is found in a very unexpected place and a faith that is tested and found to be genuine. The first thing I also want to see is that it, her faith is a faith that cries out. A faith that cries out. Verse 15, or chapter 15, verse 22 of Matthew says, She cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. I picture here, and uh, I was reading another commentary and kind of said the same thing. I picture... Uh, Christ and his disciples are walking down the road and uh, this lady's coming up kind of from behind them trying to catch up to him. She's calling after him. Jesus, son of David, uh, have mercy. Jesus, listen, please help. And she's crying after him and Jesus is kind of leading and the disciples are behind him and the disciples are back here and they're saying, oh, we thought we were going to get a break. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. And Jesus kind of acts like he doesn't hear which which will go in here in a little bit. But because uh, he's testing her faith. But I want you to note the words that she addresses Christ with. 
She calls him Lord. That means uh, master. She calls him the son of David. That means the Messiah. Now here's a woman who's not a Jew who has enough faith to know, enough knowledge of everything to know that this Christ is the Messiah, the promised one, the heir of David's throne. She knows who he is. She's confessing her faith in his authority over all things. She's confessing her faith in his fulfillment of the promises of God. She's not someone who's just looking for any kind of help for her daughter. She's not saying, I don't know, we haven't tried this yet, let's try this. She's got a lot of faith. She is someone who knows who Christ is and what he can do. Everything that follows hinges on her confession that he is Lord and that he is the Messiah. Where is that faith today? A lot of people claim faith. They have the right words, but their actions do not back it up. How many people today will say that Christ is their Lord, yet they fail to follow in his steps? I think we need a good old-fashioned revival of what I call personal holiness in our nation. Christians living what they claim to believe. By the way, if half the politicians who claim to be Christians actually lived like Christians, we'd probably have a revival. I'm throwing that out there. we got a lot of good conservative people, I get that, but they claim to be Christians. They don't live like Christians. And we wonder why we can't trust them. That's free. That's not in the notes. To many, Christ is not master. He is maybe a suggester <laughs> at best. He's not the one that tells them what to do. It's just, you know what, if I feel like it, I'll do what Jesus says. He's not the Lord and master to them. Is he our Lord here this morning? Does he rule in our hearts, our minds, our lives, our homes, our churches? Is he truly Lord of our hearts? The second thing I want to see is that she has a faith that bows down. A faith that bows down. Beginning verse number 23 of our text again, it says, But he, Christ, answered her not a word. His disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then, she, then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Jesus hears. He does not respond to, uh, to, to, to her request. The disciples do. They respond. Uh, they, they want her to shut up and quit ruining their vacation. That's what they want. They want her to go away and leave them alone. Jesus tells them, not, uh, and, and I think the lady overhears this, he says, I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. His earthly ministry was to the Jew first, to borrow a phrase from Paul. He was a Jew, fulfilling Jewish prophecy, expounding Jewish teachings, offering himself to the Jewish nation to be the Jewish Messiah that would sit on a Jewish throne. Sometimes we underplay the Jewishness of Christ. In God's wisdom, the time for the gospel to spread to the Gentiles had not yet come. Now, I would say the Gentiles couldn't be saved. There weren't. This is a Gentile who had faith. But the time for that gospel message to spread throughout the Gentile world had not yet come. It would be after the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah, died for the sins of the world that the gospel takes flight. 
No, it's not his intention to have his ministry among the Syrophoenician people. That's what most of the, the, the experts on this verse I looked at. They said, what Christ is doing here is saying, I'm not here to have a ministry in, in Phoenicia uh, up here. I, I'm, I'm, I am supposed to be for the Jews. Yet, though he ministered to the Jew first, his compassion was not limited to the Jew. In spite of Christ's comments and the disciples' interference, this lady runs to Christ and she bows before Him. She expresses her humility in bowing herself to the ground. That's what the word worship means. We're bowing down before Christ. And she humbly repeats her request, Lord, help me. I was thinking about this and I, I tried to put myself in her shoes. I don't know what I would do. I've never been in this situation, but I think if my daughter had such an issue and I found out that basically the only hope for helping her was in town and he refused to help me. Now, I'm a nice, quiet guy. I don't like confrontations. But I think in this case, I would probably make an exception. <laughs> I think, I, I, I don't know, and, and my wife would probably shake her head and say, no, you wouldn't, you're too nice. But I think I would probably get angry. I, I don't, I don't want to stop at anything for the sake of my kids. I'm afraid I would handle this very differently. I, I'd want to grab Jesus by the collar and say, Jesus, look here, bud, you're coming with me. I, I don't care forceful threats, I probably empty ones, because like I say, I'm a nice guy. But, but you look at what she did. She humbles herself before the Master. I think that's a great lesson to us today. We go before God and we say, God, you're going to do this. God, do this. God, take care of this. Instead of just bowing ourselves before Him and saying, Lord, Your will be done. I think we need to quit trying to boss God around. Just bow before Him. And, I, and by the way, I wonder how many more of our prayers would be answered if we came in that same faith to Christ. If our prayers were not orders to God, but rather an aspect of our worship, humbly submitting these to Him. The third thing I want us to see is that it's a faith that submits. Okay piggybacking off some of the things we just looked at. Verses 26 and 27. But he answered and said, It is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Now it sounds like Christ is being rude here and he, he's testing her faith. It, it's, it's, it's kind of gruff what he's saying. Uh, I also think, by the way, he's not just testing her faith, he's using her as an object lesson for the disciples to learn from. Because the disciples got a little bias to them. And I think he's trying to show them, hey, look, this lady here that you would look down at, she's got more faith than you guys. I think he's trying to use her as a lesson. Christ compares his ministry to food and his target, the Jews, as the children. Who in their right mind would take food from their children's mouths and feed their dogs with it instead? Now, some of you probably got dogs and think, hmm, I don't know, you know, maybe, or maybe your kids, I don't know. I don't know how that works. Uh, but now I will tell you, though, we, we highly value our pets nowadays. In the ancient world, it wasn't that way. It's still, by the way, in the Middle Eastern world, dogs are, we, we talk about, y'all, you know, people being a dog. 
as being a low thing. Um, in that part of the world, this time, and it, it really is, a dog is about as low down a creature as you can get, um, somewhere between politicians and lawyers, probably about on that scale is about where I would place it. So what Christ here is saying is, lady, if you claim to know who I am, and you claim to know what I'm doing, then you know my great purpose does not revolve around you. And her reply shows us that she completely understands and still believed. She says, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. She says, I'm satisfied being a dog. I don't want to take the food. I'm happy just getting the scraps. I'm happy if I just get a little taste of this, uh, of, of what you are and of your ministry. It is, again, it's humility on display. She's recognizing her place and that Christ truly came to the Jew first. We need to remind ourselves sometimes of who we are. We could think, hey, we're God's gift to this world. Uh, we're sinners saved by grace. Anything we are, any merit we have, it's, it's through Him. All the good things are through God's mercy and grace. We didn't do God a favor when we became Christians. He did us a favor in saving our souls. Sometimes we think, oh, I don't deserve to be treated like this. You ever, you ever been that way? Somebody slights you, somebody says something, oh, I, 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 I deserve to be better than this if they only knew who I was. Do you know who I am? Uh, uh, that, that, that kind of thing going on. And by the way, no, we don't deserve to be treated like this. Honestly, we deserve to be treated far worse. But as Christians, we don't get that get-out-of-jail-free card for our heartaches, for our hardships. You know what we get? We get a gentle shepherd to walk along beside us. That's what we get. His will is greater than ours. By the way, we think we know what's going on. He expends infinite wisdom infinite grace and infinite power in every heartbeat of our existence. He does more for us in a nanosecond than we could possibly even imagine. We need to trust in Him. We need to submit to Him. Submit to the One who knows the end of each step that we take. We need a faith that trusts, we need a faith that cries out, but we need a faith that submits to Christ. And the fourth thing I have here is it's a faith that endures. A faith that endures. Verse 28, And Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Even after this lady's faith is tested, she finds that it is rewarded. Her daughter is not with her. This amazes me, and this happens a handful of times, and, and I didn't count how many, but this happens a handful of times in, in, uh, in Christ's ministry where somebody comes up to him and says, Christ, I, I need help. My daughter, my servant, I've got somebody back home that needs you. And he'll say, okay, go home. They're healed. And it amazes me. I try to put myself in that place I've come for help, and Jesus says, okay, go home, it's fixed. Like, no, I want you to come with me, and I want you to do something. 
but to turn, have the faith to turn around and head home. To leave Christ and trust that He kept His word. Even though He wasn't there, He kept His word. I, I, I kind of wonder, how fast would you be walking back home? Are you running? Because you're like, oh boy, my daughter is healed. I'm running back home to see her. Are you running because like, okay, I don't know if this is going to be, I got to get home and see if this is real. You know, do you have a little doubt? Or, you know, do I wonder, do you take your time, you know, stop and smell the roses along the way and think, hey, everything's good now, I'm good. How would our faith be expressed in this? I just can't help but wonder that. I marvel at this woman's faith. She had every reason to be offended, to give up, to quit. And I think that there is a secret about faith here that shows why her faith was so great. Because it's not just about having faith. By the way, I believe everybody's got faith. Everybody has faith in something. It just may be something stupid. A lot of people trust in the government. Some people trust in Dallas Cowboys. I mean, I don't care what you're trusting in. You can Your faith is only as good as what you put it in. But I think everybody has faith. The secret is having faith that endures. Having faith that endures. For a Christian, it's a faith that begins when we confess our sins before God and we accept that free gift of salvation through Christ's death and resurrection. That's that spark of faith, that childlike faith. It takes root in our hearts. But then what happens is that faith, it's going to be tested. That's good. It needs to be tested. It needs to be strengthened. It needs to grow. But most importantly, it needs to endure. I'm not talking about security of salvation, that one saved, all saved. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about a faith that when you're 100 years old, is still going strong. A faith that is deeper and more solid, more substantive as the days go by. I've quoted it before. I love the little saying that Christianity is not measured in months or years. It's measured in decades of faithfulness. By the way, faithfulness is endurance. It's not a flash in the pan. It's, it keeps going. It keeps going. It keeps going. Have a faith that endures, and you can endure anything this world throws at you. I have a few questions here to wrap this up. I told you I was going to try to be short. I did pretty good at it. First question is, how is your faith meter this morning? How is your faith meter this morning? I didn't put down all the references, but here's a fun little study. Faith is a measurable quantity in the, in the Scriptures. Uh, you will find references to people who have no faith. They have none. You know, the, you, you, you stick the dipstick in their, their faith, and it, there's nothing there. It comes up dry. Then there's some people, they've got a little bit of faith. It shows up on the test, they've got a little bit. You're going to find there's some people that have got a lot of faith. they got much faith. There's going to be some people that even have great faith. It's, it's an amazing thing. Study this out. There, there's a measurable quantity to faith. Where, where's yours at this morning? It, it, you, know, you say, well, I don't have as much. Well, let's work on it. Let's grow. Say, well, I've got a good faith. Well, let's keep it going. Let's keep going. Wherever we're at, let's strive for more faith in God. Second, I want to ask, how is your testing going? How is your testing going? 
All of us have our faith tested. All of us go through times where we wonder, God, what in the world are you doing? God, am I wasting my life in what I'm doing? God, is this church thing, does it even make sense? Uh, all of us go through and it's, it's funny, we get to sharing stories sometimes. It's, it's so great to run across somebody who's been through the same thing you've been through. And you're like, hey, I, we, we're, we're going through the same thing. I've, I've been there. I've had these same questions, these same, same doubts. All of us have our faith tested. Hold on and hold tight. Have that faith that endures. Even if it endures by the skin of its teeth. Have that faith that endures. And by the way, those that are strong help those who are weak. You see somebody struggling, help them, encourage them, strengthen them. And those who are weak say, boy, I'm having a hard time. Don't go through it alone. Find somebody. Reach out to somebody who's stronger and say, I need some help. Let's strengthen each other's faith. And the last question I have this morning as musicians come is, have you taken the first steps of faith? Have you taken the first steps of faith? A lot of people want great faith and they want it immediately. That's not where it starts. It starts at the very beginning. It starts at Mount Calvary. It's we as sinners come before an almighty God, an almighty holy God. We see our own faults, our failures, our own sinfulness. We say, God, I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy of your love. I'm not worthy of heaven. In fact, I'm worthy of the judgment that has been pronounced, that death sentence pronounced upon sinners. Death, eternity, and hell. But then having that faith to reach out and say, I know what Christ did for me. That when He died, He died for the sins of the whole world, even for me. And that that price, that payment's good for my sins. That it's offered as a free gift if I just reach out and grab hold of that in faith. God grabs a hold of me and saves my soul. If you've taken those first steps of faith, that's the most important thing in this world, is to take those first steps of faith. If you'll stand, please, we'll have the short time of invitation. What number there, Owen? 308 in the, in the Baptist hymnal. 308, if you want to sing along. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I getting in studying this very familiar passage of Scripture, I stand back and I marvel at this lady's faith. I wonder if I was in her shoes, would I have had the faith to do the same as she did? Lord, I think back to the example that ties back to Ruth, a very similar thing with the humility, the submission, the great faith that's on display. Lord, we see these with this example we want to mark these people of faith. These are examples for us to follow. Help us to learn from them, be challenged by them. Our own faiths, Lord, to grow deeper and grow stronger. And Lord, I pray that we do develop a faith that endures the hardships, the trials of this life, a faith that continues to grow, but a faith that endures throughout the, the decades and throughout whatever the storms of life we face may be. Lord, challenge us, I pray, strengthen our faith through the example of this Gentile woman in her interaction with Christ. And just as she was rewarded for her faith, Lord, pray that you would 
bless those of us who trust in you. Speak to us now, I pray. Take these simple truths. Drive them home in our hearts, I pray in this time. In the holy name, amen.